Welcome to the Ridley College Chapel podcast. Our mission is to equip men and women for God's mission in a rapidly changing and increasingly complex world. For more information, visit ridley.edu.au. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 to 3. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Let's pray. Father, it's good together with your people and sing your praise, hear your word, and honour your servant, Richard. Please encourage us through the word, if need be, rebuke us, and please fix our eyes more and more on Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen. Well, this is a great honour. I said, this is the highlight of my life. This is, this is the peak. This is the, this is the Everest in the Himalayas to speak at Richard's farewell. So thank you, brother. What a, that's great. Uh, a while ago, for a few weeks, I spoke at Scott's Prezi Church in the city. They were looking for a new minister, and I was filling in until they found the right person, which, which they did. Uh, after my last sermon, a guy said to me, you know, Mike, you wouldn't make a good minister here. if you weren't so old. (laughs) Well, there's a reality check for me. Here I kid myself that uh, 60 is the new 40, that people could see behind the gray hair and wrinkles to the youthful, dynamic, creative man I still am. (laughs) Actually, on the way home, I thought of the right answer. I should have said, I would make a good minister here because I am so old. Right, Brian? No, no, no. <laughs> I'm thankful for that because actually, I'm now writing a book on aging. I'm pretty worked up about it. Let's get rid of all the old insults like you know, the, the old fogies, the mouldy oldies, the grey rinset, over the hill. Here's my favourite coffin dodgers. <laughs> get back in the box where you belong. <laughs> really. Well, the reality is, once you get to your 60s and 70s, you enter the best years of your life. I I guarantee it. Have you heard of the happiness U-curve? It says this. When you start life, like a a little grandson bought bought last week, he's very happy. So you start happy, then as the years go by, you get sadder and sadder. And the low point is about the mid-40s. If that's you, hang on. There's good news. Okay. I get that why. You've got a mortgage, you've got teenage kids, maybe the zing that are your marriage. But once you turn it into your 50s and 60s and 70s, you're happier, you're more productive, and you're healthier. You take better care of your body, you, you exercise more, you take your vitamins. And that's my testimony. This has been a great decade. I, I, I love that period. So while today you're farewelling Richard, for me, this is a commissioning service for Richard. Brother, the best is ahead. And I'm not joking. Productive, 
healthy, God willing, happy in the Lord's service. So I want to think with you today about uh, these great opening words of Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews, a book, a sermon, a letter written maybe, probably, to uh, Jewish Christians, maybe in Rome, maybe under, under Pharaoh, under Nero, and doing it tough, doing it tough, and being tempted to make the same mistake of their ancestors and to go back to Egypt, to go back to Judaism, back to slavery. They're facing insult, loss of property, not, not death and, and, and flogging, but, but it's hard for them. So the writer says, don't let history repeat itself with you guys. Don't make the same mistake. They, went, they want to go back and they, they died in the wilderness. Press on, keep on going. And keep in mind those who have gone before you. The great saints, they also suffered. It was tough for them. Like Abel and Noah, Abraham, Moses, Rahab, Gideon, David, the prophets. It was hard for them too. But they looked forward to their rest, their, their true home, their promised land, and they persevered. Let them inspire you to keep on going. We find this in this passage, he does three things. First of all, he gives them, us, a reason to persevere. Then two exhortations. Let's put off. Let's keep running. And then thirdly, he gives us a command to Jesus. First, why persevere? Because we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. There's many women who he's mentioned in the Old Testament who in many ways, were like us, in a different age, but like us. They loved the Lord. They lived in a hostile environment. It's idol worshippers who made life tough for them. And they paid a high price. They lost everything. Now it's all washed away in a flood, but look forward to a land to come. Abraham left everything behind, all of it, for a land he couldn't see. Joseph almost died because he received a vision, a revelation, a gospel to proclaim that he was saved and ruled. It almost cost him his life. And you get to them, oh, many, many more, both Old and New Testament. Uh, Stephen stoned. James beheaded. Peter crucified. Polycarp ravaged by wild animals. Ridley. Latimer. Cranmer. Bonhoeffer, Graham Staines, the, the, with his two sons burnt alive in their car in India by Hindu extremists. The list goes on. All witnesses, all kept looking forward to what lies ahead. Richard here is an arena, and we're running the race, and they're cheering us on. But with two big differences. They're not like you and I, who are just spectators who go off on a Sunday to watch and cheer on the Western Bulldogs or the Melbourne Vixen, having never played AFL or netball. No, they've, they've played the game right to the final whistle. They've played the game. When every fibre in their body cried out to stop, 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 because it's so painful, they've kept on going. And they're saying to us, we kept on going, we got there, and so can you. Keep going. And in this race, of course, there are no losers. All who finish win. No second place. 
floor receive the middle, and our job is indeed to help each other to keep on going, pick each other up and get there across the finish line to receive our crown of righteousness. That's the reason to persevere. Now, at the end of verse 1, the first of two exhortations. Throw off everything that hinders and every sin that easily entangles. I spoke to years ago at a church in Singapore. I forget the church, the date, the context, but I, I spoke there on the, some topic. And a while later, I got an email unlike any I've ever received. Let me share it with you. God spoke to me that my priorities have not been totally aligned with his. And indeed, my spiritual life had stagnated since I was an enthusiastic new convert in 2003. I remember at that time, I naively told my bosses in my first few months at work that all I wanted to do with my life was to serve God and that career was not a big priority. That enthusiasm soon got lost and choked by the weeds of ambition and worldliness as I pursued a bigger salary and a job with better prospects. To that end, I wound up working in the finance industry in the last two years, through which I've grown in materialism, greed, and ungodliness. God has been merciful to me to give me a wake-up call. The first practical step that I've taken is to resign my finance job. For personally, I know it has been a hindrance to my spiritual growth. I'm currently serving notice and will leave my current company on the 4th of September. I'm looking for another job in public service with more altruistic objectives, and I'm quite sure I won't be returning to my finance industry. I'm also in the process of signing up to volunteer for the Salvation Army to tutor disadvantaged children. I signed up for a mission conference in September, hope to embark on my first mission trip soon. Another step I plan to take is to take up a theological diploma and grow in the word. Wow. Throw off everything that hinders. That was costly, life-changing, life-saving. But personally, I know it has been a hindrance to my spiritual growth. The writer doesn't identify what are the hindrances because they're different from you, for me, for all of us. They're different. Persistent sins or whatever they might be, but whatever they are, he says, take a leaf out of that guy's book. And secondly, let us run with perseverance. Keep going until the finish line. What's that look like? I read a while ago about uh, the theologian B.B. Warfield. You may know, know the name. He was a, a, the president of Princeton Seminary in America from 1887 to 1924, 41 years. Wrote great books on the authority of Scripture. What people don't know about Warfield is how he cared for his wife. They married at 25, went to Germany on a honeymoon and she was struck by lightning on the honeymoon and paralyzed for life. He spent his life caring for her. He wouldn't leave the house for more than a few hours every day to be with her. 
to be with a woman he couldn't kiss, he couldn't make love to, would never give him children. He ran with perseverance because he believed the words of Hebrews 13 that the marriage bed should be honoured and kept pure and undefiled. That's running with perseverance. He made a promise to God which he kept. For better or for worse, in sickness and in health, till death takes me home. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, the beginner and the completer. Or in Paul's famous words in Philippians 2, who was obedient, from the beginning obedient, even to death on a cross. From beginning to painful death, he remained obedient. He's run the race himself. He's finished it. Be like him who for the joy set before him endured a cross, despised the shame, and now sits down at the right hand of God's throne. For joy he endured, not the shame. Mel Gibson didn't get it quite right, I don't think, in The Passion of the Christ. Doesn't say... The pain, there was terrible pain there. Flogged to the point of death. Thorns pressed in his brow, nailed to the cross. That's not what the gospel emphasised. It's, it's the shame, isn't it? The crowds mocked him. The soldiers mocked him. The priests mocked him. The, the thief mocked him. Stripped naked, mocked and shamed. He endured that. That's what we face. Not nails in our, in our hands. Not a spear in our side. Not a crown of thorns. Mockery. Cancelling when a football club, the Victorian Premier, calls people like you and me hateful bigots. What we believe in the Bible. Endure the shame for the joy set before him. So the command, think deeply upon Jesus, who endured all hostility, all opposition, don't lose heart. And think deeply, not just upon his saving work and his power, but the light of Hebrews 12, all he suffered in this life. Forty days starving in the wilderness. I can't get past morning tea. Forty days. And the temptations. Hey, hungry man, just make some bread. Here's the glory of all the world. It could be yours. All you have to do. Nowhere to lay his head. I guess nights spent with a stone for his pillow. And of course, the betrayal of friends. Your best friend says about you publicly, I don't even know him. You know, when I, I preach of Christ, I, I, I affirm his humanity, but do I really believe he was human? That he too didn't feel emotional and physical pain like I did. He didn't feel exhaustion and stress like I do. He didn't grieve at the lack of growth in his ministry as I do. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. How I'd long to gather your children as a, as a hen gathers her chicks. He too suffered disappointment. 
and failure and exhaustion and betrayal like we do? When you face discouragement and depression and sadness and wondering where's all the fruit, look to Jesus who kept on going to the end and finished strongly. For a while there, my son Joe would buy me for my birthday tickets to concerts at Rod Laver Arena of my favourite music of my generation, uh, which was the 70s and 80s. I mean, let's be frank. <laughs> the day the music died was about 1985. <laughs> it's all been a sign of the end of civilization as we know it since then. And, the, and these are groups like Fleetwood Mac, heard of them? <laughs> Paul Simon? I found these guys inspiring, really, inspiring. Energetic, for two and a half hours they performed. I think Paul Simon was 71, Fleetwood, uh, Mick Fleetwood, 74, and just going strongly. Fleetwood back of a song, Don't Stop. They haven't stopped for 40 years because they love what they do, and they make a fortune, but they love what they do. <laughs> and I, I really, I was inspired by them. If they songs, I can do that preaching Jesus, can't we? I was preaching in Brisbane a while ago on retirement in a church. And that was a man shook my hand and said to me, he's about 60, he said, I took early retirement 24 years ago. I said, really? Oh, what have you been doing? He said, oh, just drifting. 24 years. He was, doesn't say drift with inertia, <laughs> the race set before you. Run the race. I thought to myself, one day, pal, it won't be me who asks you. What did you do for those 24 years? So Richard, I'm not going to break out into song, thank God. But I'm going to say to you, God's going to say to you, brother, don't stop. This is not the end. This is the beginning of years of fruitful and maybe even more fruitful service for the kingdom. I turned 70 this year. I know you can't believe it. I know. <laughs> if I had a buck, everyone said to me, have you retired yet? I could retire and live comfortably. <laughs> I don't plan, well, one day I will. Reluctantly. One day the phone will stop ringing, the email stop pinging, and my loving wife say to me, honey, it's all over. She will. And I'll stop preaching. But I won't stop running. I won't stop obeying. I won't stop pressing on. Stop looking to Jesus. With the cheers and the songs of the crowd, including you, in my ears. Open that great word on the last day. Well done, Mike. Well done, Richard. Good. Faithful servants. Beloved, keep going. Looking to Jesus. Amen. Thank you.